0: Good day, everybody. Jeff Cross here. You can contact me at jeffcross22 at gmail.com. That's jeffcross22 at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, um, TNG. That's TNG for Tenacity and Grit. That has all my content on my Facebook page, um, from YouTube videos to the podcast and other things that might motivate you or inspire you for the day. So, all right. Well, today's guest is a true friend of mine. Uh, we've been friends for, I, I, I venture to say, at least, you know, 13, 14 years. Um, but this gentleman's been refereeing for, it feel, probably feels like his whole life. <laughs> but he's been in NCAA basketball, Division One basketball for over 13 years. And was just recently, a few years ago, was picked up in the, uh, the big 10 conference. And he, I am a true friend of his. I'm hoping he's, he's, we're true friends for sure. But he, I just saw, I saw him getting married. I saw him have a baby. I mean, I feel like I've, I've like grown up with this gentleman. So I am so excited to have Mr. Brad Maxey. Are you there, Brad?
1: I appreciate it, brother.
0: <laughs> so
1: you're definitely a true friend, man.
0: So. I know. I appreciate that. On how, and off how, Yeah, on and off the floor. That's right.
1: <laughs> how's how's baby? Um, he he's getting big, man. Um, he's seven months old today, and so he's upstairs waking up from his nap crying. So
0: nice. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll put you right to work here just in case yeah. mama wants you to get uh <laughs> get you take you off the podcast here. Yeah. Another thing I didn't mention, um Brad is also married to Kayla. Um, who was also a Division one referee. so um you know it, the referee's getting in family, so both their boys are probably referee to it. It, it, like we're we're at the beginning of the interline family.
1: <laughs> well, I already say I don't know about that, but um <laughs> i will I will say this. Uh, she's definitely the crew chief of the of of the family, so um,
0: ah, that's great. so <laughs> <laughs> So Brad, tell everybody that's listening. you know, tell let's we first of all, we need to know. How you got into officiating? What happened?
1: Well, um, I played college basketball and down in Cincinnati, a small Christian school. And um, so after I was done um, with school, I uh, took a, a position running a basketball facility. So I was training players. I was coaching. So I coached for probably, you know, I think it was 11 or 12 years and, I'm just around the game. And so I was always, uh, making friends with, with officials and I always had people telling me I needed to give it a shot. And, uh, it took, took me a while to, uh, to take that leap, but, you know, back in 2000, uh, 2006, I uh, decided to do that. So, um, you know, I, I coached AAU girls for about 12 years. And so I've always been supportive of the women's game. And, um, so I went ahead and, uh, Signed up for Patty's camp up in Chicago uh, back in 2006, and uh, haven't looked back. So, mm.
0: <laughs> so you you were a coach, referee. Mm-hmm. You know, turned into turned referee, and then decided you were gonna. I mean, did, you had to spend a lot of time refereeing high school basketball, also, right?
1: No, I only refereed high school basketball two years, three years. So. All right. Um, so I went, you know, I, I, a lot of my experience was during the AAU stuff and, um, the summer stuff and Cincinnati has a pretty good core of veteran officials down there. And, um, so I, I got a, a lot of good feedback, uh, and coaching and training on, um, from the officiating side really early in uh, getting started. So, uh, I was, I was, uh, uh, I was privileged to have that kind of, that kind of support early in my career. So, um, you know, refereed high school two or three years, did two years, actually did two years, JV one year varsity and went to Patty's camp. So that's all. So I,
0: I, I want to make sure everyone who's listening, hears this and correct me if I'm wrong. You refereed one full season of varsity basketball and moved on to yep. college basketball, correct? Correct. Yep. So everyone out there listening, you know, it's, 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 do not necessarily think you have to have a high school, a, a elementary, a high school progression into college basketball. I believe, and I would really like for you to weigh in on this, you know, what is your thoughts on, on when does someone go to camp? Well, you know, how do they decide when that, when that's time, you know, instead of going through the high school ranks, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I I know for me, you know, the support I was getting early were all college officials. And so when I said that I was getting really good support early, they were already at the college level. And so when I first got started, that was my intent was to take that next step. And uh, that was my goal was to see what college officiating had for me, first and foremost. But obviously, you know, we got to get started somewhere. And I had zero experience outside of summer basketball. And so, you know, I went and signed up at the local class and, you know, started that progress. But, you know, the one thing that really decided it for me when I took that next step was that my goals were different than than some of the officials I was working at the high school level. My approach was different. Um, The approach at the college level, I felt, was different. And so, um, you know, I just felt like it was time to, for me to move on, you know? So, um, even though I went to my first, my college camp, it was actually before the first year I'd even did my first varsity year. So, so I you... only had two a JV underneath me. And so I went to college camp, um, and I had my first, first year. So, wow. So, yeah. You know,
0: so did did you have to go to some high school camps or high school training camps at all?
1: Well, not necessarily. I mean, I did, but, you know, um, from what I know, what camp is now, you know, and you know this. I mean, you, you guys, you and Randy and, and Jen run a really good camp yourselves, and I've run some here, you know, in the last few years. Of my career, those, those, they were camp by name only. You know, Mm. we basically showed up and worked games and that was it to cover some high school, you know, summer stuff, you know, that the assigner was assigning and we weren't getting paid. So we were basically volunteering our time. You know, Mm. the feedback that we were getting, the training we were getting at that point wasn't really that great in all honesty. Mm. And so that's that's where I, 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 you know, going to Patty's camp, I just I saw the difference in the professionalism, you know, at the college level. And it doesn't mean that there's not good high school officials because there are. There are really good high school officials, you know. Mm-hmm. But my approach was just different. And if I wanted to succeed, I felt you know it was time for me to move on. Mm-hmm. So
0: what? Uh, so you said you went to your first collegiate camp in you said 2006.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: 2006, and then you uh, you spent how much time? at uh Division two level before he got hired in Division one um, or you know in, in the lower yeah, levels just, we'll call it
1: well i got um got hired my first my first camp you know I was lucky enough um to get hired first camp and got a couple of GLVC games and got a couple d two games and that was all I got um, from Patty, but then I was working for Diane and Dave Enderley and working some Division Three games. You know, had a pretty decent schedule with them for a year, and then um, got hired in three conferences, Division One, the following year. Mm. So this my would have been my second year in college. I got my Division One uh, opportunity.
0: Wait, so it didn't take twenty years to reach Division One? no <laughs> oh, that's what everybody said It ta- that's what it takes a <laughs> well, well, little,
1: little um, uh, piece of information for you know, everyone getting started now um, out of intramurals at the college you know at, co- at college or when we have you know you take a look at the, the, the incoming young officials they are 20 21 22 years old when i got started i was 36 So if it would have taken me 20 years, I would never have been, I would have never had that opportunity to work division one. I've been retired by that point.
0: Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I think there's some validity here. I think this, this brings up a good topic here because yeah, when you start at 22, 21 years old, it may take you, you know, 10 years to reach a a good level of division one, you know, but when you're 33, or in your mid thirties and you get your first division one, you know, it, it comes a little faster because you're already, you've developed a maturity about you, not that 21 year old people, uh, men and women are not mature, but no one can deny that there's a big difference between a 30 mid thirties person and a mid twenties person as far as maturity goes.
1: Well, we we've talked about this, you know, before Is it's, as soon as we walk out on the floor and coaches see us for the first time, um, they're already trying to decide who we are, what we are as officials. And there's a, there's a, you know, they're, they're looking at us, right. Mm-hmm. And They see a 35, 36 year old. And they may assume that I've already got a few years under my belt. You walk out at 22, 23. And to them, based on the age of the coach, they may think you're wet behind the years and, what in the world are they doing out there? And they may even think you're 18 years old. So, um, you know, absolutely, you know, being 35, 36 years old, there there was a maturity about me, and you know, I'd been around the game a long time. Um, and so, also your ability to communicate, with uh, manage situations, manage partners are all you know a little bit different at 35, 36, maybe than maybe for a typical 22, 23 year old. You know, just life, just life situations, correct.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah uh, I think that is probably something a skill that no one works on enough um, and I've said this before you know getting plays right 100 percent play accuracy doesn't doesn't overpower a bad communicator it just doesn't do that so um, because people because coaches players still perceive that you get plays wrong whether you got them wrong or not doesn't make any difference the question is how are you going to be able to communicate through that process so um, well, I th- go ahead.
1: Yeah, one of the hurdles for me in, in regards to communication, even at that age, was uh, being an athlete. You know, I'm a competitor. You know, and I have certain expectations of myself. And you challenge me. You know, I'm I'm going to grind. You know, and I'm going to work at it. So early in my career with coaches, you know, one downfall of mine was that was the fact that. I was overly confident in my whistles. And so when coaches want to dispute them or have a conversation with me, I didn't want to listen to them. I was always telling them how correct I was. (laughs) I'm 100% correct. And so, you know, it took me a little time to understand that that approach was not working for me. And, you know, when you're trying to prove how much you're correct, you come off very defensive with coaches. And so, you know, one of the things that I've improved on or I feel like I improved on or I'm, I'm continuing to improve on is that communication piece with coaches and being humble enough just to be a good listener, you know. And so if there's anything that I have, you know, advice for for younger officials is that piece of the game, you know, is understanding that, you know, it takes time to build confidence with coaches. It takes time to build confidence with, you know, or rapport with coaches. They've got to see you over a period of time. And no matter how good you are at play calling, you know, there's a trust factor you have to earn. And it does take a little bit of time. And it's in your communication, your ability to listen. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I call it, you know, you need to make decisions for the greater good. Um, So, you know, we, we, we tend to, you know, this, as you said, you want to defend how right you were. You know, that was in the moment decision. But for the greater good of you educating yourself and you, you de- de- developing a, a rapport, a, you know some sort of you know, body of work with coaches and players, you have to understand that you got to go towards the greater good. So, if it means me giving myself up a little bit here for the greater good, meaning twenty years down the line, and someone actually a coach might you know agree with me a little bit more, that's worth it. Instead of trying to win the. What are the, how, what, when you may have won the battle, but you haven't won the war or whatever that is. So well, go ahead.
1: Exactly. What say. You can win that battle. You're going to lose mm-hmm. the war. You know.
0: Yeah. I think that's uh, real. Exactly I was going to say. Um, so let's, let's fast forward a little bit. So we, you know, we, we talked about how you, know, and you struggled a little bit in communication, you worked on that. Um, I, I really would love to hear your first experience as a division one referee, can you remember that? Or can you recall anything about your first division one game?
1: Well, you know, um, I know my partners, I know where it was at. Um, So it was with Angie Mm -hmm. Inland and Lori Francescan. We were at OU and um, obviously, you know, all psyched, Mm -hmm. you know, I was excited and nervous all at the same time. Um, and it was before, and, and they were playing a team, uh, it was called the Australian national team, but it was, wasn't was obviously their varsity national team. It was a younger group of, of players, uh, university level. Um, you know, outside of being nervous and excited and knowing who my partner was, there was nothing really that, that I remember about that game. It, outside of the fact that, um, I just, I, I felt pretty thankful and grateful for having that opportunity to be there, you know, and, and I, I, I try to remember that each and every night, even 14 years later, every night I go out, I try to be thankful and grateful for the opportunity I'm getting that night, you know, okay. um, because what we do um, out there is, uh, uh, it's a blessing, you know, and I think you and I have talked about that you know, how blessed we are to have these opportunities. And so that, that's the biggest thing I remember about it was my two partners. And, you know, Angie and I uh, specifically have been really, really, really good friends ever since, you know, um, so.
0: Weird how that works, uh, right? You know, your first experience at a Division yeah. One game. Yeah. Did you know Angie before that Division One game?
1: Absolutely not. Yeah, I didn't know anything about her. Didn't know. Um, and actually, she was a replacement. For somebody, because um, our crew chief had gotten sick, mm. so it was it was just by chance, you know. Um, obviously, that she was still open and available, and so she got the call to be there. And so, um, and we've been really good friends ever since. So that's a great
0: story, man. Great story. I had no idea about that. You, know, yeah. I, I knew, I knew you and Angie were friends, yeah. but I didn't realize that that was how it started and that's how it developed.
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, she's like a sister, you know, and you know, we talked about it earlier, you know, uh, that, that's one of the blessings, you know, that we that we get in this game was, you know, you talked about the fact that you saw me and Kayla get married. You know, one of the blessings that we have in regards to this business was the fact that, you know, about half of the people at our wedding were basketball officials Ended mm-hmm. our wedding. So, you know, without officiating... I, Uh, I may not have ever met my wife, my future wife, and maybe not met my, the the friends that I have. And so wedding and my future might have looked a little different. That's for sure.
0: It's yeah. It is. And, you know, as difficult as officiating can be at times, those great moments that you just described outweigh all the difficult times by far.
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, and. Some of it, you know, shoot, I'm 50 years old now, you know, and so as we get older, we to take a look at life and what's really, truly important, you know, and, you know, he talked about, we were talking about my early in my career early, you know, we talked about, you know, I got hired my first camp, you know, and then I got hired the second, you know, my second year of ever doing college division one, you know, on that track, you know, back then I was going, holy cow, I'll be in the big 10 in five years, you know, shoot, I'm to roll, let's do this you know and now you know at 50 i'm grateful for the opportunities i get and like you said you know come january and february the grind is hitting us and the travels is hitting us and the games are tougher and you know and then you get the opportunity to work with your, you know some of the best friends you'll ever have you know or you may have had a tough night you know you know that you got two or three people you can call and lean on a little bit so mm-hmm. that's what this business has afforded us is our relationships that even after basketball is over with, we'll have Mm -hmm. basketball was over with me. You know, for me tomorrow, I know that you and I would still be really, really good friends. For sure. And I have a handful of people like that, you know, within our group and you know who they are. So. Absolutely.
0: how many years in division one did you spend? Cause you know, a big 10, that's a pinnacle, right? That's a, that's a spot, yep. you know, a lot of officials put their, they put their eye on that, on that prize of the big 10 or the big 12 or the sec or, you know, these big major conferences here. So how many years did you referee in division one before you made it to the big 10?
1: Um, it was my 11th year that I got picked up. And so you know, early on in my career, um, you know, even at 36, you know, I wasn't married, didn't have family. And in all, in all honesty, I put a lot of myself into this business. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have goals and expectations and, and, you know, I even, you know, I still do today. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the one thing that I, that I really learned early was the fact to temper my 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 expectations and and you know because if it was up to me I'd been in the Big Ten after year four <laughs> you know um, but uh, there's a whole lot of learning that has to go on and you know the one thing that I really you know um, was really trying to control was the things that I could control mm. and that was the effort being professional and my communication with my assigners um, being on time to places and you know doing I wasn't going to give anybody an opportunity you know to da- downgrade me or have something negative to say to me about how I handled my business and I always wanted to be a good partner and you know whatever opportunities I got I tried to be the best I could be that night you know and, and whether that was a JUCO game for Diane or whether that was a Division One game for Patty, mm. you know that's how they approach today. You know, so
0: so I would really like to know. So you spent 11 years trying to get to this this pinnacle, we'll call it, of the of the Big Ten. If you don't mind speaking honestly with me for a second and with everyone else listening, how many times did it cross your mind to? I don't want to say completely shut it down, but they're like, you know what? I think I'm going to let this goal go. I'm, I'm going to move on to a different pinnacle for me. Um, and, you know, just, yeah, not, not, I'm not saying you really contemplated quitting, but how many times that crossed your mind and you had to, you had to reconvince yourself to continue on.
1: Well, you know, I, I, I was a little ahead of myself, you know, early on, you know, like I said, if it was up to me, you know, shoot, I'm ready for the big 10, you're four, you're five right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you start doubting yourself when it's not happening what do I need to do different you start asking people what am I not not doing correctly and you know it came to a point to where I had to look myself in the mirror and have some self-reflection um, about how I needed to grow you know not only as an official but as a person in this business and so you know i I went from trying to reach that pinnacle, right, to concentrating on what I can control. And like I said before, and so, you know, even with that, you still, when contracts start coming out in August and September, you keep waiting for that moment. Is it going to be the year? Is this going to be the year? And in all honesty, it it was probably two or three years that I truly was thinking that this could be the year, Hmm. you know, and through the grind that I had in the first seven or so, eight years of the business, when it didn't happen, I was disappointed. But for me, it was about refocusing and being the best I could be with the opportunities I was getting. And at some point, trusting in the fact that if it was going to happen, it was going to happen. And the best way for me to get that opportunity was to be the best I could be at every level that I was working currently. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, it, it took some support from friends. You know, um, to say, hey, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, and you know, and you know, keep growing, you know, keep finding ways to get better. You know, and like I said, you know, the communication piece of it for me was something that just over the last two or three years, I think that, you know, I'm still continuing to grow and finding ways. And so, you know, even if, you know, if we're, we're fortunate enough to have a, a, a season and who knows what it's going to look like with, you know everything we're going through right now, I still have goals for this upcoming season. Mm -hmm. So you got to focus on what you can control, you know? So,
0: So, you know, I talk a lot about, you know, as my Facebook page and TNG for tenacity and grit. See, to me as an outsider, I know you said you got through with a lot of support from your friends and they probably did help you in some way, shape or form, but ultimately it came from you your grit, your tenacity to not give up, to continue on, even when it just seemed impossible. As you said, you know, there was a couple of years like really, this is, you had it in the front of your brain going, this this is going to be the year and it didn't happen. And, and that's when I say tenacity and grit really kicks in for you if you have it, because everyone has it, I believe. Some people just have it at different levels. And you're proving to everyone out there listening that, you know, that you found some support, but ultimately you dug deep into your tenacity to continue on.
1: Well, I think the one thing, officiating is not any different than being an athlete or being a successful business person or being successful at any level uh, or any occupation. Um, Success does not come easy. And at some point you're going to come across some, some hurdles, and you either have a choice when you when you come to those hurdles, right, or you get knocked down. You, you either lay down and give up, or you get back up and, and, and start and refocus and go at it. You know, and even the greatest the greatest of you know the greatest of presidents, the greatest leaders, the greatest of basketball players, the greatest of engineers, they've all had something in their life where they've had to. You know, uh, like you say, display some grit mm-hmm. and some tenacity, and I think you you have a you have a choice you can either grow from it or let it defeat you and define you, mm-hmm. and so you know I've learned that you know, and, and maybe that's part of being a little bit older too uh when I was dealing with that kind of stuff, so plus you know having some really good people around me so i
0: I would also you know. I would take this a step further because you talked about being an athlete, you know, that you have to, you have to perform and, you know, you're going to find failures. The difference I believe between the athlete and the official or the athlete and the engineer or doctor or whatever that is, is the athlete. I even, I think even has it tougher because they're on a time frame. They only get four years to get it done. You know, once you turn 18, you're done with high school. So if you haven't made it, you know, an impact in your high school career, when you graduate, you're not going to be able to make any more impacts in your high school career. And I, un, unlike us as officials, if we haven't made an impact in the Big Ten Conference, doesn't mean we, we, we only get four years to do that. We get as many years as we can continue to hang on and improve in some way,
1: shape, or form. You know, I'm, I'm you know, you're talking about, you know, I do remember this. Um, you know, I, I think the mentality of a baseball player, you know, I played college baseball. And um, in in college, you play doubleheaders every night, every day. Mm -hmm. And as a position player, you get at bats. If you have one bad week, you could have 40 at bats in a week. And if you have a bad week and go for 40, I mean, that could just absolutely just be something that's very difficult to come out of. Mm -hmm. You know, and I had one of those weeks early my sophomore year in the spring and I stayed the course you know and I did I went I I remember this for you know I went three for 27 struck out 18 times and it was just you know it didn't matter what they threw up there I wasn't hitting it (laughs) but you know what you get up in the morning go to the cages you put in extra time you put in the work you know and I was able to get out of it and you know I have have a very very successful sophomore year you know from that point on and so you know, I, that was a good learning life learning experience for me when that happened to me as an athlete, and I I think I still carry that with me today. And, and when I go through some difficult times, you know, maybe have a play or two in a game that's tough, or a game or two that's tough. You know what? You just you you, you get back on the horse, and you keep you know you keep grinding it out. Mm-hmm. So, as
0: know, hard as both. that may be, you got to step back yeah. in the box again, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, go up there swinging. So, I love it. I love it. So, um, a couple things before we uh wrap things up. Um, yeah. are, you, are you into any books right now? Are you, are you reading anything or you know, sort of, um,
1: you know, um, you know, what the only thing I read is the Bible. Okay, and, amen. You know, I, I do you know, devotionals in the morning. Um, there's a couple there, I've been wanting to to, to get into um there's a book. There's a book that I've bought off of Amazon that gives me a um, called Fifty Two, and it, it gives me a layout of the Bible, and you know, and, and helps me to understand the Bible a little bit better. And I need to get into that. I've read the first three chapters and kind of walked away from it, so I'm hoping to get back in. All
0: right, good. Keep that tenacity and grit up, man. Finish that baby. Yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, what is one thing in your life? That it's non-negotiable and did it helps improve your life on a daily basis? Do you have a, you know, some people have three, four people have things on that list, five things on the list. Do you have one thing on your list that's non-negotiable Monday through Monday? You're going to make sure you do. Love. You um, broke up. What was that?
1: I said, love, 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 mm. love people, you know, love yourself, love others, you know, and obviously with everything that's going on and you know, we've been kind of cooped up in the house, you know, so obviously I'm, I'm blessed to have two kids, you know, seven month old and a 10 year old and, and have a beautiful wife and really good friends. And in these tough times that we're all going through, especially with, with COVID and some of the stuff that's going on, um, with the social unrest, it's just love. And that's something, you know, like going back to fishing, I said, I can control that. And that's that's something that I I try to achieve every day.
0: That's a great, great word. I I love that. I love, loving it. (laughs) There you go. Uh, The last question I want to ask you is, you know, what do you, you know, what are you pushing for your legacy to be? You know, when, when it's all done and over with, you know, what do you want your legacy to be?
1: Um, that I care. I care about others. Um, and that I do anything for them. Um, you know, I, a few years ago at one of the camps, you know, we were asked a question in one of the kind of similar to that question there when it was all said and done. You know, and from an officiating standpoint, I said, you know, I want to be known as a good official, but I want to be known as a better person. And so I, I think that's what I want my legacy to be. I want who I was as a person, in all honesty, to outweigh my achievements as a basketball official. I want people to understand, you know, know that I cared about them. I want my partners to know that when I when they work with me, that I care about them. Uh, My friends to know that I care about them, you know, and obviously my family, everybody know that I love them. And so, I think that's the legacy is they know that I have a heart for them, Mm -hmm. and I truly care about them, you know. And we may be in the middle of a grind and may have a tough game, you know. We're in the middle of the fourth quarter with five minutes to go. You know what? Just like at them say, you know what? Love you. Let's do mm. it. You know? And so um, I, I think that's what I want my legacy to be is, is people know that I care about them.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I got one more bonus question I'm going to ask, but I'm not going to ask that until you uh, can you give everybody, all the listeners out there, if they want to contact you, maybe have a question for you or, you know, maybe share some, you know, maybe get some help from you and if, with yeah. your Bible or
1: whatever that might be. How can I get hold of your bread? Well, they, um, you know, I don't mind if you, you call me on my phone at 513 617 4094 or text and you can reach out to me um, through email at um, BBALLMAX50 at Gmail. Um, I don't do any social media stuff, so I'm old school. Um, but, you know, anybody who's got a question or, or you know, needs some support in any way, they can uh, reach reach me anytime
0: Perfect. That'll work out perfect. And then again, you can contact me at jeffcross22 at gmail.com. And then obviously you can look up uh, Facebook page TNG for tenacity and grit. That's where all my content is. And um, if you need Brad's phone number or email, just email me also. I can do that. So, all right. Last bonus question and then we'll hang up. Okay. Tell us something no one knows about Brad Maxey. what is something that very few people know? Um, like I'm going to give you mine. Okay. This will give you a little bit of chance to think about it. Cause I saw the hesitation there. So, you know, I was like, you know, whatever. I lost a million dollars to the roulette wheel. No, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, a lot of people don't know this about me is over 20 years ago. I had uh, two neck surgeries. So, So I have actually, uh, Uh, two metal plates and eight metal screws in my neck from an old football injury um so and the doctor told me that you know start collecting disability it's it's over for you you're never going to do anything any kind of athletic so that's something I don't share a lot but I'm, I'm starting to share a little bit more so it might be a little bit more common knowledge so that's something a lot of people don't know about me so can you give us something that a lot of people don't know about you
1: well, so. I don't know if I can, if I can top that. Mm. <laughs> um, I know this, this may come off a little bit egotistical, but um, I hope it doesn't come off that way. But um, I was inducted into my high school athletic hall of fame um, mm-hmm. back in 2014. So, so, yeah, a
0: lot of I people wouldn't know that. That's great.
1: I don't talk about that a whole lot, but um, it is something that I obviously am proud of you know, so you talk about legacy a little bit, but, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know how many people know that, but, um, yeah, just so you, just just so you know, (laughs) a
0: few, a few clicks of the button and everyone's going to know. So don't you worry about a thing. (laughs) Well, I don't know (laughs) the school
1: that I come from. I don't even know if they have internet down there
0: or what. Good luck Um, trying to find that. Uh, that's great uh, alright well listen Brad thank yeah. you so much for spending 30-40 oh, minutes with me taking a little time away from yeah. the family and stuff and obviously if anybody's out here listening to this podcast and they something resonated with them or they know someone that it might affect hit the share button everybody that's all you got to do and you can contact me and Brad with any questions you might have Brad yeah. know this before I hang up: yep. you are most definitely building that legacy that you're trying to build on a day-to-day basis and your hard work is not going unnoticed buddy um i am so proud to call you my friend call your family uh, and our family friends and i never want that to stop and know that your legacy is going to be tremendous when it's all done and over with buddy
1: well you know i love you brother I, love and you. I, I have a lot of you know i you know i look up to you and you know what you're you're one of those people that um are there for me going through the tough times about grit and tenacity you you know you help with that so i appreciate you, brother keep doing what you're doing you're you're developing that legacy as well
0: Uh, yeah that's right so well keep loving brother and uh keep showing hope and we will uh talk to you on the other side all right brother all right sounds good man all right take care be safe Bye -bye. Bye. bye